The hedonic treadmill, as classically stated, implies that all efforts to improve happiness are doomed to failure. Hello listeners and viewers also now, welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinom Obitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the listeners, and now viewers as well, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hello. How are you doing, Akin? Hey. I'm really looking forward to this. Excellent. Is that your radio voice? (laughs) Uh, Today's exciting episode has to do with meditation. Wow. Um, Something that I did right before the show, to be honest. I don't know if it's going to make me better, but it certainly has made me happier. Fantastic. They, yeah, well, I mean, that's very much in line with what we're about to uh, to smash their earpieces with right now. <laughs> Here's what it is. This was published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psych, and it's called Open Hearts, Build Lives. It's positive emotions induced through loving kindness meditation, build consequential personal resources. And the authors are Barbara Fredrickson, who, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Akin, but she is at the University of North Carolina uh, at Chapel Hill, where I was for 12 years. And oh, I didn't Michael realize Cone, the two of you had a link. Yeah, a little bit. I'll tell you a little story about that, actually. She kind of changed my life. Oh. Uh, Kimberly Coffey, uh, Jolyn Peck, and Sandra Finkel are the authors of this, um, what I think of as a great paper. Yeah, once upon a time, Akin, I was sitting in um, the business school, and we invited Barbara Fredrickson over. She was in the psych department. So she came over and she gave this talk to us and she opened it with a question, which was, why do positive emotions exist? Mm. And, you know, I started thinking, like, I just wasn't thinking the way she's thinking now and the way she's now helped the whole world think. I was thinking, like, why do we have them, like, to make us feel good? And she meant more like evolutionarily. Yes. Why do they exist? Like, why do we have gratitude why, why do we have that emotion where do, and like why do we have joy why, why do we it's have quite, that? It's, it's a really exciting question as well um i was fortunate enough to do uh, her positive psychology course on coursera uh, who are not paying us so i don't know why i'm shouting out their platform <laughs> but it was so interesting because i believe it was like yeah it's, it's the truth uh, it was raising this question of like when i when because often when i think about like evolutionary theory and such and whatnot like it's about how our how the threats cause us to evolve and how challenges cause us to evolve. And when I did this course, I was a bit like, oh snap, like there's a lot of stuff that we really enjoy in life. And does that serve a purpose? And if so, what's the purpose of it? That's right. I think that's really exciting. For me, that's the point of this whole article in some ways, because what we're going to look at is this idea that if we can find ways as humans to increase positivity, if we can almost impute positive emotions through new ways of acting, then not only does that make us feel better in the moment, which Barbara Fredrickson calls this the broaden and build theory, that it broadens us to take in more information about the world so we become better information processors. It broadens us to friendships and the idea that we can be open to meeting people. But that's not the whole thing because it also builds resources. And the resources might be like having friends, all else equal, helps make us better, happier, more fulfilled. The idea that building the ability to be more creative and more open to the world creates a us as better workers or as better partners. And so yeah, and idea, just to say, 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, just to say a bit about the the broaden section of that as well, and then I'll let you jump back in on the build section. So the broaden section, I think, is really fascinating because it's the difference between how we can think of like the difference between how we process threats and how we process opportunities. So if you're in a position where you're processing a threat, you need to be focused. You need to be pretty much at like a high, you need to be in like a high state of alertness, almost like stressed so that you can focus on this one thing, this one threat or this one kind of issue that needs to be dealt with. All of your attention and resources, they all drawn towards that. So when we think about opportunities, we're in a more broadened state, like we're actively looking for things, things that could enhance our lives, maybe things that could enhance our our business, maybe things that like if we're on a holiday, we're going to be looking for opportunities. Like when you flick through those brochures of all of those walking tours and you're trying to take in as much as you can, even when you're on the tour itself, like your eyes are wide and you're like, I must get a selfie with the Grand Canyon. Otherwise people won't imagine how large it is. Like your selfie's not helping, mate, especially not with your face in the way <laughs> but um so i'll hand over to you dan because that's like i guess that's kind of like my understanding of the broadening section and then like uh, i'll let you tag on a bit more on the uh, the building section there i have a feeling that we can get into the depths of that a little bit later but for now the important part that listeners and viewers are, are getting is just that these are not momentary episodes where you just feel better it's that because of that you create a a different way of interacting with other people in the world and that those are sticky and then they serve you later on. It's almost like it becomes a repository. So again, back to the friendship idea, you being more open to other people, to humor, you build that relationship. Now you've got a friend that can help you out if you're feeling down or if you need some help moving some, some furniture, you know, whatever. But like the point <laughs> is like, it's not like that momentary. That's what friends are for, of, aren't they? That's what it's friends are for. It's like friends are for moving days. That's the only reason yeah, that's why it. I mean, we put nurture up with all the people stuff. in our lives is someday you're going to move. I'm going to need to figure out how to get this sofa out of this apartment. That's, <laughs> that's what friends are for. <laughs> um, hey, and also, do you remember that um, quote in the intro? I think it's worth just saying a couple of the words about that, which is... Yeah, I've got it just here. Yeah. So um, this is from the authors and the quote reads, when people open their hearts to positive emotions, they see their own growth in ways that transform them for the better. And that does very much encapsulate what this study is about. I think it's fabulous. And here's another thing. Um, that notion of the hedonic treadmill, the thing that I kind of opened up with my little quote on the front end. Traditionally, the hedonic treadmill means that no matter how much happier you get, you just then get accustomed to that and then you actually aren't happier anymore. And what this study does, which I think is really powerful and really important, is it shows, well, that isn't really the case because it's not just a matter of these instantaneous pieces of happiness. It's stuff that sticks around and kind of helps you live your life in a better way. So like there's a whole bunch of research suggesting that um, like say you did an intervention in a lab where you gave people some sweets, you gave them a fiver, you sort of had them, whatever. They become happier and maybe they even like solve more math problems. But then the idea would be across time, you would get adapted to that, those sweets or that bit of money. And therefore it wouldn't make you happier anymore and it wouldn't work. And what they're showing here, and it, frankly, it's one of the first papers in my life that I've ever seen do this. They're demonstrating how an intervention, in this case, a meditation uh, session across, what is it, Akin? Is it six weeks? It was, well, o- overall, it was nine weeks in total, but the the actual course that they uh, ran these participants through was six weeks 
and they they kind of like had a week off because of some sort of like religious holiday, which is like very cutely listed in the paper. But that's a sweet transition. Let's get into what they what yeah, they did because they did some things. They really did. They, they <laughs> got they, in there and they, they messed just, with some people. Yeah. They describe it as a randomized longitude field experiment. Um, and so I'll give you my dirty version and Dan, you might want to clean this up. So what yeah. I understand from this randomized longitudinal field experiment is essentially what they've done is they've got a bunch of random individuals in this case there's about i think it was about 140 or so individuals divided them randomly into two groups this was after they completed surveys and the longitudinal field experiment element of it is that it was done at an actual organization so this is a very real company real people this isn't labs um, and Detroit, the longitudinal bit in Detroit, yeah, the D, uh, eight mile, um, and other hip hop references. Um, <laughs> and the, uh, which bit was I on the, the longitudinal bit was, as Dan mentioned, this ran over a total of, um, of nine weeks. Okay. And so they go to this big company, this CompuWare, and they basically say, Hey, we're running this study. Anybody want in? And they got a bunch of people, 200 people that came to an orientation. And then they gave their consent. They completed an initial survey. And so that's really important. I think that the uh, listeners and the viewers will understand this. But like, if you just take the people and say, like, I'm into meditation, and then you show they're happier, that's not a good design at all. <laughs> because by them raising their hand and saying, I'm into it, you already have a different sort of person. In this case, they got 200 people that say, I'm into it. And then they randomly assigned from there. And I think that's and a just really to, part. Yeah, just to add to that as well, it was, they were, they signed up to this under the belief. So they, they didn't know what the hypothesis was. They didn't know about this loving kindness meditation. They signed up for it under the belief that it would be a course that would help them with stress management. That's it. Um, which, so I imagine for most people, if you go to most offices, especially in cities, <laughs> and you're like, hey, who would like some assistance managing their stress? <laughs> you might lose an arm. <laughs> uh, such would be the enthusiasm of those willing to take part. That's um, right. That's right. So you get these 200 people. And let's talk just a little bit about this loving kindness meditation, because I believe that while most people would have heard of meditation, this loving kindness vibe is kind of a different technique. And so unlike one, like the one I just did right now, it has a lot to do with focusing on your own breath and focusing on the weight of your body. And so it's basically a way of being present in the moment rather than letting your mind run off and chase emotions and so on. This loving kindness meditation is one where you're supposed to increase feelings of warmth and caring for yourself and others. So it's like, it is quiet contemplation and it is a seated posture, eyes closed, focused on um, all that. But like your attention is toward the present moment. Here's what it says in an open mind. Uh, it's directing one's emotions toward warm and tender feelings in an open hearted way. Had you ever heard of it before, Akin? Yeah, I heard of it on the, the course. Yeah, the uh, the course, uh, the Barbara Fredrickson one that I, mm-hmm. I referenced. So I, I learned about loving kindness meditation. So yeah, and as I, as I mentioned, this idea of this uh, focusing your your positive emotions on yourself, on others that you know, and then ultimately it kind of like, they take it to like this super high hippie level where it's about love for all things, man. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I was a bit like, oh, sweet, man. Uh, I, I, I'm with you guys, man. I can... <laughs> I can get it's like this. it's really it's hard to knock like if someone's like hey my objective here is to get people 
to show more love and kindness to all living things. Like you gotta be a pretty miserable git if you're trying to like knock that. I'm like, hey, have at it, man. <laughs> yes, yes, okay, I'm in. You know what? You got me. <laughs> and um, um, just a bit more as well on the um because we're gonna I guess we're gonna talk more about loving kindness meditation. We'll bleed this in with I guess the method that they adopted with it. So what happened is from the so if you say like uh, there's like six sessions that take part it's important to know that the company was very much involved so the company said okay then we're going to let you come in and do this study not only that you can use our facilities as well and we're not going to knock like any time off of like the employees so they can do this on their own time so that you know i think that's an additional incentive especially if you're talking about like stress reduction or stress management if you then think i need to come to work an hour later um sorry come to work an hour later <laughs> there you go um if you've got to come an, an hour, hour later, later or <laughs> yeah. stay an yeah. hour later yeah. that could yeah. be something that's a bit anxiety inducing in terms that's of right. like your life as a whole but it started right. out as meditations i believe that were about like maybe 15 minutes long that's and right. went on for by week six, I believe they were doing meditations that were about 22 minutes long. Um, right. And what's also interesting, while I try to like gather my thoughts as well, is it was a one hour session. So it wasn't just like you rock up and you do 15 minutes of meditation and you dip. It was like a one hour workshop where there were presentations, there was the opportunity to ask questions. And I believe they also gave them a CD, which they could, because part of this as well was like meditation in their own time. That's so important. they also equipped them with a CD so that in their own time they could do it but in a, I guess, a bit more of a guided slash professional way. I'll, I'll okay. hand the baton back over to you, Dan. Well, I think that last part you just brought up is really worth um, waving our hands around a little bit more because I think the theory of meditation is any one go isn't it. It's not like turning on a light switch and then it's on. It's supposed to be this accreting or this building up. And that is part of the, the you know, the sort of um, the building here. And so when they assigned them to practice this, the idea was that they would try to do it at least five days a week with these guided recordings that Akin mentioned. And then later on, maybe we can talk about that actually mattered. It, it wasn't just that they were in the condition of doing meditation that mattered. What mattered is the more of it that they did, the more effective it worked for them. And so daily meditation was the best in this case. The other thing that I'd bring up here, um, which just builds on what Akin was saying, is there seem to be these four or five different what they call personal resources that they gathered data on and tested. And so one is cognitive, which we've mentioned. That's the idea of like being mindful, the ability of like savoring positive experiences. That's a cognitive resource. There's psychological resources. So this would be like your ability to bounce back when there's problems and have resilience. There's social resources, which we mentioned, that's like positive relationships with other people and social support. And then there's physical resources. And this is actually like illness symptoms, like lots of headaches or hard to get up or like hard to go to sleep, how long you sleep. So these are the four mechanisms or the four mediators that take something like meditation, which is an activity that you can, uh, you can have an intervention around, and lead to better life, basically more subjective well-being, more of a judging your life as being a good place to live. Anything you would add to that, Akin, in terms of like giving people the overview of like why this thing would even work? Yeah, I guess the only thing I'd add at this stage is that there, I'm not sure if we have mentioned it, but there was a control group as well. So the control group, so each week they were getting the participants who were doing these workshops and these um, guided meditations 
they they were doing that through like the workshop and through the the system. So that was like the main group that you want to kind of get your results from. But of course, you have to check whether is it our intervention that's having an impact on their lives or is it, it is it something else? So there was another group who they they described it as like a wait list. Yeah. So I think they wanted, they didn't yeah. want to give too much away. So the idea from what I understood was that by being on this wait list meant that you could get called up to being the main study, but they never called anyone. It was just like an illusion. It was just these social scientists just <laughs> tricking, yanking everyone's chain again. <laughs> but the wait, the group, that group had to complete the same survey every week. That's it. So That's the it. Um, some of the measures that Dan was talking about about just now those those four factors they broke these down into different measures that they were able to kind of like weigh them up against so the the experiment group and the control group each week would be completing these surveys and then through that you're then able to tell whether it's the intervention that's at play or whether i don't know man it could just be the season maybe it was just like summer was coming so everyone was like oh i feel much better about life yeah that's right it's funny too because they called that control group living life as usual (laughs) i love that it actually put a smile on my face it's like we have the condition of being in meditation and then the condition of just live your lives people and then fill up these surveys I imagine for some people that's too difficult as well. To just like people, so people so often want to do something. It's like, what do I need to do? Just, just do your thing as usual. Just like, go, just go, pretend. I just, uh, and then, I just, of course, they had to drop some people out as they always do. And there's loads of reasons that were legitimate. They went through that, but they ended up with 139 people in the final sample. 67 were in the loving kindness meditation, and 72 of whom were in this waitlisted "just live your life" group. And I guess we also should mention they got about a hundred bucks for this. They got like a hundred bucks and um, they also got a book. (laughs) They got a book on meditation. So, um, you know, they got some time off. They got a book and they got about a hundred bucks for doing this thing. How how do you feel, Dan? This this is a question. Hmm. Um, How do you feel about that that as an incentive for this study? Because... Like, I guess they're trying to encourage them to, you know, to take part really. Cause the, the hundred bucks, cause it's worth, I think it's worth having a quick discussion about the hundred bucks was like broken down. So yes. you'd get like an initial, I think like 10 bucks for you like 10 taking bucks, part. Yep. Yeah. And this is both the control and the intervention. You know, everybody's yep. getting this. So it's, so 10, 10 bucks just for starting and showing up 20, if you go the whole way through and you do the final survey. And then each time you do one of these daily reports, you get another dollar. And so they only used people that did at least 40 of the 61 total days and um, they got like a $10 bonus and a, and a, you know, a book. So I'm good with it, Akin, if that's what you're asking. My upshot is oh, yeah, you, yeah. Have, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, you have to give people some incentive or some recognition that you are noticing that they're helping because you're not going to, you're not going to do it for the money. You know, these are probably people making a good bit of money in a computer software firm and so on. Uh, mm. But I think that it's almost symbolically you want to you want to recognize that hey, you've done like forty of these surveys now, and so like yeah, you're gonna get forty dollars for that. Like yeah, that's not gonna like change your world, but you can go have a dinner. You know, you can go out and do so something. Is that is that kind of like a bit of like game theory where hmm. the idea isn't that we're trying to like make you rich, but we're trying to give you targets that encourage you to keep this task up. So maybe that's why it's like, here's a dollar. It's like, we're not going to give you like 200 bucks every time you do one of these things. But if we give you a dollar, 
it's yeah. not about the money, but like you might think, okay, then here's a target that I want to kind of like That's reach. Right. That's right. It's a like gamification a little bit, isn't it? Because mm. they really the way that they gathered this data was very intense. Like the, this notion of getting these daily entries, very powerful research methodology. Because what it allows you to do is control everything about a individual out of the equation so that you can like nest all the data and you can say, okay, with this one person, I've got 40 pieces of data. So anything that changes between where they started and where they ended, we can net out whatever person affects where like the original personality or the original type of house they live in or whether or not they're married and how many friends they have, all of that gets net out of the equation. So it's actually a very powerful research design with a lot of power to detect changes it sounds so, like a, a light version of what Amazon are up to. Like, <laughs> say, like, say more about that. Say more well, about they that. were just trying to like, they were trying to use this data so that people could like, you know, in, have a bit more of a loving and kind life. Whereas Amazon, Facebook, Google, they're like, no, give me all of the data. Yes. Like, I want to know how many hours he slept last night. I want to know the size of his bed. I want to know what street he lives on. I want to know his latest grocery order. And they just use all of that so that when I'm on Instagram, it's just like, hey, Akin, do you want to buy like a friigging microphone? Or And I'm like, oh, I, I do happen to want to purchase a microphone. Thank you very much. We, so they said, like no, they we already doing... sent it to you. You can feel yeah, free yeah, to send yes. it back if you don't want it. But we <laughs> thought you'd want this. <laughs> we thought you'd want to um, give this little gift of a microphone. But like, because through reading the study, like they were, I guess part of the question that they were asking was like, can it be predictive of life satisfaction? Like the, these, these, the, because that's the value of it. Like the value of it is if I can tell you that this meditative practice or this yep. course, yep. like the value of it is that you would then experience dot, dot, dot in terms of your increases in life satisfaction. Yep. There's a value to being able to predict that. Whereas uh, a, a software company who they've all been branded as evil now for whatever reason, but their value is saying, okay, then I can give you this many data points on Dan. And then I'll be able to tell you like, you know, when he's going to need more eggs in the kitchen or mm, like, mm, you know, mm. where he's more likely to go on holiday. So that serves like a, I guess a capitalist kind of like function. Whereas this study is more looking at the, I guess, humanity and our lives. And, it's you know, humanity. while we're here knocking about, can we That's enjoy it. this experience a bit more and make it a bit more pleasurable for others? I couldn't say it any better, Akin. And ultimately you'd think that's what we're all interested in, isn't it? That the mm. ride of life feels a little nicer, you know, that all the rest seems to be noise. It all seems to be like all of the other activities to get to the point where you can say, my life's pretty good. This is worth doing. Why don't we mention just a couple of the scales? We don't have to go through all these because there's just too many of them. I, I don't think like, we can. Just, <laughs> there are no, so many. They were looking, we they were looking when, at a lot of things. <laughs> but what I'd love to, I'd love the, the listeners and the viewers just to know like the sorts of questions that people are answering to on this daily basis. So here's a couple. Totally. So like one of them would be like in terms of like savoring, um, which is something that is one of these cognitive resources. It's, it's, um, people would answer questions like, it's easy for me to rekindle the joy from pleasant memories. And then they would answer on a seven point scale going from like completely disagree to completely agree. That's one example. Or like if we're talking about, um, ego resilience, this is that ability to bounce back. It goes like, I quickly get over and recover from being startled. And I don't know if there's any of these ones that you want to mention, but the last one that I'll like positive relations with others. That's when we mentioned it goes like, I know I can trust my friends. And then they answer on that same scale, agree to disagree. 
But then what I wanted to do was mention the final end result is basically like, are you satisfied with your life? <laughs> and like, in some ways, that's the ultimate thing, which are items like, so far, I've gotten the important things I want in life. And if you can... And it's a, it's a, it's a, very, interesting, it's a very interesting question as well, because from the information that we have, we can gather that they're, they're living in the States, yep. in Detroit. So you, you're talking about a pretty much very well-developed modern city. Uh, they're doing this through work, so we can gather that these people are employed, which would then lead us to believe that they have skills you know, and that they're contributing to an organization and quite likely to society as well. So just on that level, you should, I guess I would assume that, oh, they've got quite a lot already to be happy about. And it's so interesting that people can have that many things going in their lives. And then one of the measures, what like the outcomes that they were looking at was the depression measure uh, and literally is in depression. And the, one of the questions for that was, or is, should I say, I felt that I could not shake off the blues, even with help from my family or friends. Yeah. So I guess to kind of frame this, you've got someone who's living in a, a country that's kind of doing pretty well in a metropolitan city. They're employed. They have skills. The question itself suggests that they've got friends and family, so loved ones. And you may still get individuals who answer this quite low. That's right. And this intervention is trying to say, could we, could we combat that? Could we yeah. combat that in a way where it's not about buy a larger car yeah. or, you know, um, get a pay rise or, you know, like join a CrossFit mm-hmm. class or whatever, mm-hmm. which would actually end up possibly being quite good for you, the CrossFit one. But it's actually saying, how could we combat these depressive measures by people spending some time looking inward and realizing that most people, most people have more to be grateful for than they do to be That's down it. about. And I don't say that to kind of like downplay depression as a, as an illness, but more to say that this is a way in which for those of us who our lives are probably more on a stable level, we could probably kind of like combat, combat yeah. some of those emo- depressive, right. depression, depressive emotions um, right. a bit more. And, and, and these, are, these measures, oh, and these measures were, so all of them were doing these measures. The control group and the experiment group were, were completing these things from the, from day one to the end. Um, and they also had like this daily thing that they had to complete as well, which was, so there was, there was quite a lot of work. So all of a sudden that hundred bucks isn't seeming like so much money. <laughs> like I got to do, I got to come to work and do this one hour workshop every day. I've got to go online and fill out this questionnaire. I've got a CD where I do meditation alone and I've got this daily thing. And you guys are asking me if I'm depressed. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? I might need to negotiate that fee. <laughs> I haven't done well with my negotiations here. So, um, let's jump into some results. But one of the things I really liked what you did there, Akin, and, and this is uh, probably obvious to a lot of people out there. It's not like they're saying this is the only way. Like, for example, you could do a gratitude journal. You could start exercising and doing CrossFit. You could start... Um, trying to build better relationships in other ways. It's not saying that this loving kindness meditation is the only way to improve life. It is saying that for the first time, we are testing this broaden and build theory and looking at the resources, intellectual, psychological, social, uh, um, physical, these resources that it helps you build. And it seems to work. You know, if we just had to jump to the out shot in the first couple of weeks, it didn't. 
one of the things I really loved about this is the first couple of weeks when they looked at the data, they found a significant effect, but it was tiny. It was like for every one hour of meditation, when they ran the regression, they got all the controls in there. They learned that like for one whole hour of meditation, you got like a 0.06 increase in positive emotions. And that's like, hardly even worth doing. I mean, that's almost not noticeable. <laughs> but then by weeks three, four, five, six, seven, it kept going up and up and up. It started to accrete. And by week seven, every one hour of meditation practice, you get a 0.17 unit increase in positive emotions, meaning like, and this is hugely statistically significant as well. But all of a sudden, you got almost three times more effect. And the really cool thing about it is it's free. It's, it's, it's free. You know, it's 10, 15. I just did it right before this session. It was 10 minutes and it's free. What's wonderful as well is, <clears throat> excuse me, what's wonderful is what they're looking at. This isn't how great you feel while you're doing the meditation. This is how you take that positivity with you out into your life. And that's what I thought was marvelous about this intervention. Like I don't regularly do yoga. In fact, I very rarely do yoga, but every time I've done it, I've really enjoyed it. And one of the things I love uh, is that very often at the end of the class, the, uh, the, I don't know what the yogi or the instructor, Mm -hmm. they're a bit like, you know, take a moment, you know, all of this goodness that you feel right now, you know, feel your body and you know, the universe and all of this hippie stuff. And they're like, now go take that into the world with you, man. Like, So it's not just about, okay, in the, the measurements, they're not measuring how they felt doing the, uh, the, the like the loving kindness meditation. They're measuring how they feel about their lives, but it's suggesting that that time that they spend doing the loving kindness meditation is now having a positive impact on these other areas of their lives. And that's what's like so beautiful about it. That investment. I'm so happy you brought that up. I mean, I think we're getting near the end of our um, time here anyway. It's actually a really, really nice dismount. Do you remember the article that we talked about with the ripple effects of cooperation? And it basically was like how you act affects the people around you for sure. But then that affects how those people act to the people around them. And these initial movements of like being happier and sending out a smile and having a good interaction, yeah, that's going to make your life better. And this study demonstrably shows that you'll be a happier person with your life. But Akin, you just took it in the next level, which is if lots of us were doing this and sending out these positive vibes and creating better relationships and sort of feeling better, it starts to create like a better world as well. So it's, it's a really nice dismount in terms of how this free very short-term investment in life builds resources that not only make you happier with your life, but probably send ripple effects out to other people. And you know, what's great about meditation. You just do that stuff sitting down. You just find like a comfy <laughs> chair. Like, come on people, man. Like, CrossFit. Find that a comfy hurts. chair, right? Just sit down for 15 minutes. Think like you could do that. Surely like for your happiness, you can sit on a comfy chair for 50, I bet you can. I know you can do it. Like 15 minutes, sit down, spend more time than that than on the tube. Like <laughs> not of late, of course, for, uh, for obvious reasons, but, um, <laughs> but that's another thing. Like you mentioned, Dan CrossFit, they've got people like pulling like frigging like tractor tires across like a garage. Nah, man, I don't sit down in my comfy chair. Just think, just think your thoughts. 
<laughs> is there anything that you wanted to wanted to close on, Dan? I think no, I think that's such a nice way to say it. And I was really impressed with this paper. And I love the idea that this founder of positive psychology, you know, this is Barbara Fredrickson is one of the parents of positive psychology. I just love to see such strong science. It makes me overjoyed to think that when we first started talking about meditation a lot back in the, let's say, 1990s is when it became, nobody really believed in it because the methodology wasn't there. And when you look at this really tight methodology and you look at how closely they attended to the details, it just starts to become so convincing that this, that this works. So anyway, oh. thank you for covering this with me, and I loved it. This was a joy and a delight. Uh, I've actually found uh, some meditation resources myself, which I'm not going to shout out because once again, no one's paying me. So, <laughs> but there's plenty of stuff online, peeps. You can definitely find some stuff here. Uh, listeners, if you're uh, if you're on like iTunes, Spotify, um, where else are we? Podbean. Um, if you're not already subscribed, please hit subscribe. That's for the podcast listeners. And those of you who are checking us out on YouTube as well, there's like a subscribe button and a like button somewhere and you can leave comments as well which would be fantastic and if you are on itunes uh you can rate us uh review us should i say uh give us a five-star review like it, it really helps our visibility and it means that other people can you know come across this podcast get these cool findings and speaking of other people coming across it if you hear this or one of our other episodes and you think oh man like my boss is a real grouch like maybe maybe they could do with some loving kindness meditation just casually send this episode episode off to them and be like oh i think you might find one or two things value you might find some value in this <laughs> this has been so much fun dan thank you very much once again dan and listeners and viewers as well do what a joy bye-bye